Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus departed to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. When day came, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a stretch of level ground, a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And even those who were tormented by unclean spirits were cured. Everyone in the crowd sought to touch him because power came forth from him and he healed them all. The Gospel of the Lord. So I was deeply struck by Paul's uh, words to the Colossians in this, uh, the first reading we have here this morning. His words are just as prescient today as they were to the church in Colossae back then when he says, See to it that no one captivate you with an empty, seductive philosophy according to the tradition of men, according to the elemental powers of the world, and not according to Christ. What he's talking about there is, like, do not let your minds be deceived. When he speaks about elemental powers, he's speaking about demonic influence. He's like, do not let yourself be lulled into exchanging the gospel I've preached to you for an anti-gospel, a different gospel. And this is precisely what is what has happened and is happening in our society today, that this captivating empty, seductive, anti-gospel is being promulgated with uh, incredible efficacy. It's an entirely different anti-human narrative, if you will, that's framing the minds and hearts of millions of young people. Um, Well, young and old, it's it's, it's equal opportunists going after everybody. We might call it the gospel of modern progressive utopianism. I want to read a a little... uh, section from a book that um, I've just reread for the second time. Every once in a while, you know, a book comes along that just just so powerfully captures um, or articulates a reality. The book that is called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. And it's just been rocking my world. So I don't usually do this, but just bear with me this morning. I just want to share some excerpts from this book because I think it so powerfully articulates what Paul was talking about 2,000 years ago, and just what we're seeing today. So the author writes this. In the modern progressive utopian vision, concern for the poor and the sick has remained, but with a difference, subtle enough in its first expressions, but ultimately bearing serious consequences. Under the influence of a utopian vision of a society perfected by human energy, love for the poor was inevitably transposed into hatred for poverty. Love for the sick became hatred for disease. Love for the elderly turned into a hatred for the ravages of age. 
The point was to arrive at a certain this-worldly state of physical and social health. What then was to be done if there were too many poor people to be reasonably enriched, or people with sicknesses that had no cure, or elderly people who were debilitated by effects of old age that could not be reversed or mitigated? By a perverse but necessary logic, the solution has been to eradicate the poor, eliminate the diseased, and euthanize the aged. According to the modern narrative, the point is to radically solve the problems of humanity. Suffering is therefore offensive and embarrassing and not to be endured. Pride, rather than love, is the root motivation. When the broad lines of the progressive vision were first spelled out and preached, hopes were high for a radical transformation of the human race that would occur just around the corner. An essential contour in the modern progressive vision is the denial of the fall as part of the explanation for human evil. Christians had long held that the human race was caught in a curse of its own making, and that one of the key sources of the world's evil was the wound in each of our hearts caused by pride and rejection of God. The progressive vision, by contrast, while aware of evil in the world, finds the source of that evil elsewhere, not the result of an internal wound in each human, but the bad fruit of ignorance, whether of physical laws or social structures, or psychological principles. No need to engage the humiliating and continuing battle to forge a new heart within. Evil could be undone and goodness established by gaining the requisite knowledge and applying it. Having discounted the evil in each human heart and having little time for the idea of personal evil in fallen angelic beings, the progressive vision still needed to identify a source for the prevalence of active evil in the world. That source has always been found in a particular group of people who have been deemed to stand athwart the march of human progress. It might be the aristocracy, or the Jews, or the bourgeoisie, or the Catholics, or the homophobes, or the breeders, or the reactionaries, or the whoever. Over and against them were the pure, the enlightened ones, those who were, quote, on the right side of history. Having relegated demons to the nursery, every utopian progressive vision finds itself constrained to demonize some portion of fellow humans. This has led to great injustice and at times to some of the most barbaric treatment of humans in history, but it is not seen that way by those under the influence of the progressive myth. Under the progressive vision, it became proper to hate certain other humans with the perfect hatred once reserved for the devil. Such an attitude, expressing itself in events like the Reign of Terror, the Gulag, the Holocaust, and the abortion mills, has been justified by the concern to bring about the promise of perfection granted by the progressive vision. Thus, the denial of the fall inevitably brings with it a culture of death, not because its proponents set out to kill, but because the utopian ideal runs up against a fatally flawed humanity. The only options are either to give up the project altogether or to eradicate those whose perceived weakness or evil keep the dream of the new humanity from being realized. Does that sound like our world today? Yeah. So let's pray. Jesus, by your grace, make us into agents of transformation. May our lives transformed by the power of the gospel, pierced by the beauty of your love and mercy available to us in the sacraments. May our lives give evidence to your love and you who is the truth.
May our love be the reason why many people break free from this seductive philosophy, this modern progressive myth. Amen.